I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. What is up, guys? I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend and a amazing Thanksgiving holiday if you were spending it with family or maybe it looked a little different. I hope everyone got the rest that they needed and we are back to another week. I feel like the time before Christmas is always a lag. I feel like there's so much that you need to do, but you're also so much looking forward to Christmas and then obviously the new year, which this podcast will be two years old on the new year, which is going to be crazy. And there's going to be a lot of new shifts and changes coming your all's way, all in the positive as I like to think about it. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to drop a few solo episodes uh, coming up between now and the new year of all the things that have been going on in my brain behind the scenes. But enough about me. I have on another very special guest this week. I had the honor of sitting down with the CEO of Dallas Girl Gang. For all my Dallas people, you all know Amanda Smith. And this was such an interesting conversation. She was a fellow podcaster as well. So it's just interesting to get other people's take on things that you're doing. But one thing that really stood out to me and For those of you who are not familiar with Dallas Girl Gang, it is an online events and communities. So there are get-togethers in Dallas. She hosts a lot of live events. She also does coaching sessions with other female entrepreneurs. She kind of does it all, but she really started this out of a need from blogging. She didn't feel like she was getting the most quality relationships and just started to build a very loyal following, which I think is incredible. And it's also the basis for a successful business. So that was probably my favorite part of this episode. And she shares a bunch of knowledge on creating that loyal community and how to optimize the relationships and also build a business out of it and actually make a profit. So we talk about a lot of different things. Authenticity is another theme. I think that's very common across any sort of content creation, building a strong community like I just alluded to, and then listening to feedback and executing on that feedback, especially when you're dealing with a community and you're dealing with people and what they love in certain events and maybe things that they don't love. So that is just a high level of what we talked about. But this episode is super insightful. I learned a lot. And if you're someone that is wanting to tap into the content creation space or looking to shift your community or start to build one, this episode is definitely for you. Let's jump right into it. Amanda's on the other side. So I know you were a teacher too previously, Mm -hmm. and then you Mm -hmm. got into the content creation world. That is a a big shift. Why from... (laughs) Teaching, I mean, it's still common themes like leadership, helping people, all that type of stuff. But why'd you move from education into the content creation world? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, when, you know, I started teaching in 2014 and then we moved back to Dallas in 2016. And long story short, I started Dallas Girl Gang just as a Facebook group and then hosting meetups kind of informally. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to like produce events. I want to make this I want to do this right and I want to do this well. And there were like lots of people coming out of the woodwork. Um, And then obviously like creating our brand online content creation came around that. And so I didn't mean to, but I started a business (laughs) while I was teaching and then it became much more of my passion 
teaching really just declined and took a huge dump on everything. And then I was like, I don't, I don't see myself continuing to teach. And I was in a bad situation and a bad school. And so there was nothing keeping me there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that you had posted your first, or you had talked about that your first initial drive for Dallas Girl Gang was mm-hmm. because you felt that a lot of the people and followers that you have weren't necessarily translating to real quality relationships. And so that was part of why for Dallas Girl Gang. Elaborate a little bit more on that because I know there's been a lot of bloggers who have translated. Now you see them in podcasting and they're really evolving, but I think you mm-hmm. hit the nail on the head. We think all the positives about content creation, but I want you to touch a little bit more on why you felt that it wasn't translating to authentic, genuine friendships just from blogging. I think really in starting Dallas Girl Gang, I was going to events around Dallas mm-hmm. that were for bloggers and influencers and all this, and everyone looked the same. Like everyone looked like me and I was like, okay, but I don't like, I never felt a hundred percent welcome. I didn't feel like it felt very clickish. There was this and this blogger brunch and this and that, which is all, nothing is inherently bad about those things. Um, But I did like click with a few people who were seeing what I was seeing too, or seeing a lack of what we would like to see. And it was a diverse group of people. And not only did we want to find common ground and like network on a professional level, business level, whatever, but we wanted to like have a friendship too. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, it's Saturday. I don't want to get dressed up. Do you guys want to go grab brunch or whatever? Um, Like, I'm definitely not like we were just talking about putting on lip gloss. Like, mine looks bad. Everyone ignore it. (laughs) Like, I'm like, this is this pink lip gloss is not my norm. Um, I'm not like a dress to the nines kind of gal, you know, and there's all those kind of feelings in Dallas, in the city and going out and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I, you know, selfishly, it was like for, for me, I, you know, I grew up here, yeah, but I didn't, it had been years since I lived here. Mm -hmm. So once I found some people, I was like, oh, I, I need adult friendships too. And this is hard and awkward. And you can be friends with the people that you work with at your job, but like, it's not always going to click. You know, when I was a teacher, a lot of the other teachers I worked with, like that was their life. Like teaching was their life. And I was like, cool, not my deal. <laughs> like, yeah. so happy for you. But like 3.30 hits and I am out, you know, yeah. like I'm not taking stuff home with me if I don't have to. Um, so that's really what I was I was looking for. And then I think that's what attracted other people to, you know, what's now our trademark. Um, you can sit with us like, mm-hmm. oh, I can. And then that causes people to like, does she really mean it? Like, you know, look more into it and be like, oh, I really can show up as myself and like be who I am and not have to impress anybody. You mentioned something that I've heard time and time again that you kind of founded a business when you didn't really have an intention behind that. Elaborate a little bit more on that for the audience because you hear that, but what does that actually mean for someone that's living that exact mission and outcome so at the time i was doing a direct sales business oh. <laughs> Not, uh, you know and sometimes there's nothing wrong with them whatever but um what do you mean by direct sales business so multi-level marketing okay rodan and fields that's what i was doing oh okay the whole nine yards and i was like pretty good at it and yeah. so that was part of the reason why i went out and started networking when we moved back to dallas in 2016 
and I wanted to connect with other people, mm-hmm. but then it really, I was like, this is not the reason I'm doing it. I'm not going to sell these people anything. And I actually started to not care about that as much. I just wanted friends and I wanted yeah. to be the facilitator to bring people together. Cause that's kind of my nature anyway. Like I'm the oldest of three love planning, you know, parties or whatever. I grew up in church and I, you know, worked in churches and always planning just so much programming and stuff like that. And so it's just kind of like ingrained in me. Um, and once I started our Facebook group, that's where things really started to pick up. So I was managing a Facebook group all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then when people wanted to gather more to, you know, people always just said, Hey, can we have a meetup? Whatever. So we would be like, okay, Hey, Tuesday, the 18th, we're meeting at two o'clock at Halcyon coffee shop, whatever. And we would go meet no tickets, no nothing, just create a little event inside the group mm-hmm. and says what we're doing. But then the more work I put into it, I realized I do need to compensate myself for yeah. something. And then, you know, if you make a reservation at a restaurant, you have to pay the tab. And so you got to make sure everyone pays you. So I was like, well, Eventbrite just makes sense. I can just charge for a ticket, cover the cost and be good. But then... I, I saw there's so much value I can add to this and I'm already giving this. This can be profitable, mm-hmm. you know. And once I hit about um, end of 2018, early 2019, uh, when I had started this in the middle of 2017, I had a mentor um, kind of come alongside me and say, what are you, how are you feeling about this? Who's helping you? D- do you want to make this a business and do you want to monetize this? And I was like, yeah, I think so. There's so much demand for it. Like, I think I do want to do that. And that's kind of where the the basics of it started. We're very entrepreneurial, just talking through the last 10 minutes that we've been here. Mm-hmm. Was there a point in your life that you can think back on that illuminated or really drove that desire and passion and personality trait, if you will, within you? I think I saw I saw my dad do that a little bit. He's always been an IT guy. Um and he would do some contract work here and there, like building people some websites or, you know, um once apps became big, like basic just basic apps for people to just have a presence online. Um but I think it was more once I got into teaching mm-hmm. and then started a Facebook group that really was a passion project. And once that rose and my decline for, or de- decline in desire, I should say, for teaching happened, I, it really just lit a spark in me. Um, I think too, on the direct sales side, like there was a lot they don't teach you how to really run a business. You're not really running your own business when you do that, um, even though they say that you are. And I know that might upset some people, but it's not your stuff and it's not your your brand. Um, but I I did become so interested in like sales trainings, leadership trainings, um, doing things on my own to build something to help someone else or solve someone else's problem. And that is probably the root of it. 
helping someone else or helping solve their problem. Um, and then in the case of Dallas Groging, it was community or, you know, finding friends and networking for your business and things like that. 2020 really put an emphasis on people going after their quote unquote passions. <laughs> I have said this on the podcast before, but I firmly, I don't think that every passion can be lucrative and can make you money. From your perspective, how can someone go about turning their so-called passion into income and knowing, I think is the most important part, that there's money and there's demand within what you call your quote unquote passion? I think this is a really loaded question. Um, so I'll break it down <laughs> a couple of different ways. Not everyone's passion is going to be profitable. Yeah. Um, you can have a passion for baking and, but not everyone's going to make it to where, I don't know if you've heard of cookie society. It's, there's a store in Frisco and then there's a store in North Dallas. Um, Marissa Allen, she spoke at our conference just a couple of weeks ago. Not everyone ends up like Marissa with two yeah. cookie stores in a major metropolitan area. That just doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. You have to have something really unique in the market that no one has ever seen. And you have to know there's demand for it from what you're providing that's unique or that there's demand in the market that hasn't been tapped into yet. So it's tricky for people to be like, I'm passionate about yoga. Okay, cool. If you want your own yoga studio, if you want to go be a yoga teacher, whatever, you need to find the ways to market yourself and skill set that other people aren't doing. Um, so there's that piece. Um, and I, th when I talk to my coaching clients too, and even like the vendors and businesses that work with us, um, there's nothing wrong with marketing a skill set that you have that maybe you're not totally passionate about, even if it's just for like a short period of time. Um, Give an example. I was Yeah, I was just about to say, for example, um, if it sounds like I'm out of breath, this is just what seven and a half months You're pregnant fine. sounds like. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think, let's say social media management. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a degree in marketing if you're under 35, 40 years old, you can probably figure out how to manage social media. That's a great skill to have. Very marketable. Lots of people need it and will pay for it. Me. Yeah, exactly. And But honestly, after one, two, three, maybe four years, if you are not absolutely obsessed with it and passionate about the analytics and the creative side of it and helping the brand grow and move forward, all those things, you are going to get tired of it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's okay for a period of time for that to be a means to an end so that maybe you get the cash flow, build up the revenue as a business owner to work on the things that you're actually passionate about. Maybe you're more passionate about um, being a creative director, whatever that might mean to you. And you want to work on big projects or campaigns or commercials with, you know, Dove soap or I don't know. You want to move that forward. It's kind of a kind of like, excuse me, having a job and then having a side hustle. Yeah. But you have a business and then you're working on the other things you really want to get to. Um, I think that's actually smart and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that's kind of how I would break it down. 
you're a great example of, and I kind of like that call that a pivot in it. So you mm-hmm. went through, or you were a blogger. It's like you were a teacher and then you started a blog. I know you had a little bit of a beauty business mm-hmm. in there as well. And then now you're in the girl gang. So I mean, even just when I was going back through your timeline, I'm like, oh, she just pivoted and there was an evolution that happened. But I think it's good for people to recognize. And even for me, like I have talked about this, but like I really want to come up with a business idea. And once the light bulb went off, it was just piecing together like 17 things that I had done and talked about and Mm -hmm. like putting kind of like a bow on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so it all makes sense. What's a piece of advice that you would give to someone that feels a little bit stuck on taking that next step or feeling overwhelmed. Like, I think this is the direction that I want to go, but what if blank happens? Oh my gosh. I mean, we're, everyone's talking about, we're going into a recession. So everybody, there's always something that could happen. There's always stuff ahead that you have no idea and you can't prepare for. So a little bit of that, if you can learn to start letting some of those things go now, once you even even me i'm almost six years into being a business owner it's still hard to let things go but i know because of experience and because of just the last six years of ups and downs that you have to be able to let go of what you can't control but will you repeat your the first part of the question what's a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's a little bit unsure about the their passion or the next step to take in terms of pursuing i think it's great to have ideas mm-hmm. and it's great to map out for ourselves. Like I would like to do this. I would like to do this. You have to do that first before you do anything. You need to make sure like, what are my values? What are my goals? What is the end result of this? And if you're starting with really surface level things, like I want to make a lot of money yeah. uh, or I want to, you know, go viral on TikTok, or I want to work with celebrities or whatever. That's cool. But like, You have to have a reason why you're doing this. And number two, if you're feeling stuck, you're probably not 100% sure of what it is you're going to sell, offer, or what your business is. So I, I met with a client this last week and I kept trying to dig out of her. I was like, okay, so she's at the very beginning of, of building her brand. And I said, who is this for? So we talked about that. She's got that down. Not everybody, that's kind of hard to do for a lot of people, but she's kind of approaching it in the opposite way. And I said, okay, so what are you going to do in this business for those people? And she kept kind of talking around it. And I was like, that wasn't my question. What are you going to offer to them tangibly, whether it's a digital product or a book, or are you going to throw events? Like, what are you going to sell or offer as a product and then that was why she couldn't get it out because she don't know. Yeah. And that's okay. That's what I'm there for. And so we worked through. I was like, well, what did you, what would you want to do? Um, so if you're feeling lost or stuck, you may not actually know what, where you're trying to go. So go back to square one and confirm that first. The last part I'll say is I think as entrepreneurs, we have a million ideas. Yep, that Again, was me. I, <laughs> Ask Michael, I text him probably 17,000 per day. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, look, it, that's the best part about us. This is what I was telling her too. Um, we're so creative and we do have a million ideas, but you have to hone in on, okay, I can only do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So for example, looking at Dallas Girl Gang and like my personal brand now, 
we do events. We had a podcast for four years, brand partnerships. People can advertise with us. We have a conference every year. We are launching a new membership. You know, um, we did, we have an internship program. You can work with me as a coach or, or do consulting with me, like layers of things. Yes. But it's been almost six years. Mm-hmm. We started with a Facebook group and events. So all your ideas are probably great. What do what's important now for building a good solid foundation, especially if like you're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, now I wouldn't suggest like if you know people are listening and you have a full time job. I'm not saying start with what makes you money so you can just quit. No, no. <laughs> I worked my full time teaching job and my business for three full years. Like it's good to have a nine to five to support you while you're doing this if that's what you so choose but you can't start with four things you can't start a business and try to execute well on a podcast and this course and then sell t-shirts and then also throw a conference all in the same time like it's unless you have a lot of money and resources like that's a different story or like a team of people or a team of people or like you some like you were saying earlier like some things are just one in a million and it pops off and then you really got to work fast to bring in the team to support it but that's super rare mm-hmm. um so that's my advice <laughs> building a community is super important i think you've done that really well in terms of whatever you're doing in, in life and i think social media really 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 highlighted that mm-hmm. give three of the most important things that you feel are important for building a solid loyal community Mm. this is really good i love talking about this um i did a presentation for the dallas entrepreneur center um in capital one they have a, a cohort that they do every year for women business owners specifically women of color and um we talked about this and as cheesy as some of this sounds, number one, being yourself and being authentic, again, buzzy and cheesy, but like really being honest with yourself. When you're writing that caption, when you're posing for that picture, when you're taking that video and putting it in stories or creating a TikTok, if someone, if your best friend was with you and they would cringe, because you said that or because you video did something weird. That's not you. Yeah. You have to be honest with yourself. Like, is this how I'd really say it? You know, or is this how I'd really talk to someone in person? Um, Because if it's not, then you're going to create, you're going to go down a rabbit hole time and days and months go by of building a a brand that isn't actually you. Mm -hmm. And you've just been following these other influencers or companies or boss babe or whoever and not that you know it's great to have examples and do your research and like see what other people are doing in the market but um you have to be authentically yourself because then you're going to attract the right people right um i think the second thing about building a loyal community is listening to them again like i said earlier when you're you know, starting a business or wanting to like sell products or or services, you have to know what people want 
before you do that. You know, if everyone loves pink pens, but you're like, I love purple and you do all this research and you're like, here's my supplier and I'm going to do this design and whatever. And you publish it and you launch it. You spend so much money, you do a photo shoot and then you get it out there and ain't nobody buying these purple pens. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> like yeah, you didn't they ask. Said they wanted pink. <laughs> they said they wanted pink or you didn't listen. Maybe they yeah. were telling you and you didn't listen. listen yeah. Um, that's a huge part of what our team focuses on is in our Facebook group. In now we're on the Geneva app, which I feel like is so Gen Z and out of my league. <laughs> but I don't think I know what that is. See? I don't even I didn't either. Um it's like a, a community app that you can go on and find people to chat with or meet up locally and whatever. So we have a community group in the Geneva app um, spelled just like the Geneva convention. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, no, I've I've never heard of it. I know. Learn something new every day. It's um, I think it's relatively new, but you have to listen to those people. And if our team wasn't watching our comments or listening to people in our Facebook group, one of our girls, her whole job is, the Facebook group. And then every month she gives us a report of like, here's what people are talking about the most. Mm. Here's the conversations. Here's kind of just has the finger on the pulse of that piece of our community. Um, So listening so that you can draw those conclusions. Um, Annually we do a survey. So like we're prepping for that right now that will go out in the next few weeks of like, did you attend an event this year? Like just so we can get to know like, who are you guys? Cause not everybody is going to engage in everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've learned that. Yeah, and that is just how it is. Like, it used to, like, offend me. <laughs> yeah. But that's just not how it is. Even to this day, and this is just how I think living in a big city is, people will buy a ticket to an event and not come sometimes. It doesn't happen often, but I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, interesting. they buy a ticket to, hap- to a happy hour three weeks prior happy hour rolls around we're setting out reminders we're like see you there see you there here's where parking is here's all this and you know it's not everyone is even good even if they pay for it it just depends um maybe it's their way of supporting in a different way i know for me like some people i i'm not a big consumer like i'll be the first one to say i don't buy a lot of stuff that bloggers i really don't like i've never really fallen into that really either I'm not a super, I mean, occasionally, but I'm not, I don't like a lot of things, yeah. but I always try to support them in other ways. So mm-hmm. like engaging in their posts, like saving mm-hmm. their stuff. I think there's always ways that you can support people. So yeah. like maybe for you, people are like, okay, I can't take the time of my day, sure. but I want to support you. So here's 25 or however much the ticket is sure. to at least like give you financial. Right. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and then I think, you know, just being open to things changing as life changes and as the landscape of where we live changes and the world. I mean, everyone had to change with COVID. Um, also, something that's interesting that I've noticed, I mean, it's been almost six years. So I started this when I was 24, mm-hmm. 25. I'm 30 and I'm having a baby. Anyone who started with me is also 30 now. Yeah. So it's like, but we still have young, like Gen Z college age kids joining our community. We still have people that are moms in their thirties and forties joining us. Um, so that is something too, that like changing and evolving with things is not a bad thing. You know, like I said earlier, we had a podcast for four years and I decided to 
just nix it. Mm-hmm. And I'm super happy about it, actually, because yeah. there's other ways we can serve our community. So just because you start something doesn't mean you have to keep doing it because um, ultimately you're in charge and you want to make sure is everything that we're doing, are we able to give 100% to it for our community? I think that's the most important thing in recognizing when something's no longer serving you Mm -hmm. and where you're at and evolution is so true. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I have nightmares. Like if I couldn't do this podcast, but I also know how much I enjoy it at this Mm -hmm. time in my life. And so even if it's five or 10 or 15 years, like I always want to have that same passion and I'll know if I don't have it, that it's probably time for me to let it go. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to allow that to see you later. And move on. It's okay. And this is the one of the biggest things that I talk about as a, a coach, a business educator, whatever you want to call it. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. You know, period at the end. That's it. What's the biggest change or pivot that you've had over the last six years in your business that led to a bigger vision that you didn't necessarily see before that? Hmm. I would say being open to becoming an educator, like becoming a business mentor and a coach to people. I loved teaching. Like once a teacher, always a teacher. Yeah, that's Um, what I said. When she got on here, I'm like, it sounds like a bit pivot, but it's really not from what you're doing. It's an evolution. Yeah. And honestly, like if you're a teacher out there listening, like you... You have quite an advantage um, patience. moving into being a business owner, regardless of what you're going to do. Um, patience and organization and, you know, like you're in charge of 30 little kids every day or maybe big kids. But um, moving into being an educator, I think, was the biggest pivot because um, now it's really like two businesses in one under one LLC, if you will. Um And I still get to kind of fulfill that teaching role to other business owners. Like I said, to that, you know, groups of people, um, speaking places. Like I got, I'm finally this year after five years of doing our conference, I gave myself my own session (laughs) and I asked my team before and I was like, should I do my own session? They were like, yeah, what what are you doing? (laughs) And so I was able to like, teach live and speak in front of you know our whole conference and things like that um but that was that's been awesome and again that's going to look different like especially going into maternity leave like maybe i'm i changed my mind and i want to just do like all digital products like if you want to learn from me you can buy this thing mm-hmm. or maybe it's i take one-on-one clients once a year and he, you know let's fill up this bucket this is when you get to work with me and if you don't, you don't snooze, you lose kind of thing. I don't know what it's going to look like. So there's so much good in the unknown mm-hmm. as a coach. What's the biggest, if you, I know there's probably more than one, but like if you could summarize the biggest challenge mm-hmm. that your entrepreneurs that you're coaching have, whether it's building a business or going through the scaling process. Ooh, I need to think about that. <laughs> If, if you need to give two, that's fine. Yeah. I think it's different for the different stages of business. That so you're give priests. Oh, okay. stages of business. Stages. Okay. So let's, okay. I'm just going to give like, let's just say beginner, intermediate. Perfect. Let's just do that. 
beginner, um, I think like we were talking about earlier, it's so many ideas, Mm -hmm. too many ideas. Let's hone in on one. But with so many ideas, they're listening to way too many people, like too many cooks in the kitchen. Everyone, probably you and people that are listening to this, if you open your Instagram or TikTok and scroll through your for you page, you would probably have at least one or two gurus or coaches or experts Mm -hmm. or speakers or authors telling you what to do with your business. (laughs) I mean, I'm sitting here giving advice and I'm saying this is what I have seen from my experience. So what I tell people is, okay, for your beliefs, your personality, your learning style, like how you like to absorb information, you need to pick two, maybe three people that are public figures and then myself, if I'm actually, they hire me as their coach to listen to. Okay. We're not listening to five business podcasts and reading seven (laughs) business books and then following 20 gurus on social media and this Instagram person and this TikTok person, this person's only about reels, like to each their own, go for it. So you need to find those two to three people you're going to listen to. So Marie Forleo and Jenna Kutcher and then whoever is your mentor at the time, if you have one, that's the biggest thing because there's so many things that you're at, at the, at this point, you're at the point where you don't know what you don't know. And you mm-hmm. need to listen to the people who've been before you, because if you're asking for their help, you need to listen and then take action for yourself. Um, I think at the middle level intermediate level um the the thing that i see the most is we start to kind of get in our own way mentally because we've seen success and we've seen great paydays or we have a great month or whatever and then when that doesn't continue to happen or when things change or we start to think, do I need to change things or do I need to let this piece go? Or, you know, maybe I, I think that's the biggest part of where I, I get the, it's okay to change your mind mm-hmm. kind of thing because they've already been in their business for two, three, four years, maybe five at that point. And things are going to change. Like the world has changed since you started this. Right. And so um, I think letting those things go and, and realizing, I think there is a lot of truth to, if you've done it once, you can do it again. It just may look different. Mm-hmm. And you may have to change the, the, the playing field might have changed, right? Um, but I think that's where people are that I see the most at that level. Something that actually someone reversed the interview on me and I'm going to flip it back <laughs> on to you. I have a few people in my life that I'll listen to mm-hmm. and bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that I've learned and I'll ask them is that take their feedback, but you have to take action on what is resonant with you. Yeah. What is your advice to people? You just mentioned, say they have two or three people. I have a mentor. I'm going to use Michael. I bounce a lot of ideas off of him. And then I have one more person on taking their feedback and listening to them because they've either done it before you admire them, but not 
taking things so literally that you're just doing everything they're telling you, even if it's not resonating with you? I think you have, there's, you know, when people are taking things really literally and just going and applying and saying, well, they did it. I need to do it too. The the same way Mm -hmm. that usually comes from a place of desperation and urgency for whatever reason. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes like they're like, I got to get paid. I got to make money, you know, especially if they've transitioned to this is their full time. Um, But I think seeing that all of those people that, you know, are in that inner circle, if you will, come from different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. experiences, married, kids, you know, used to live in another country, have always worked for themselves or, you know, come from corporate. Like you have to take it with a grain of salt. And I think before you even really start to implement things for yourself, again, knowing 100% with all confidence that you know who you are, you know what your values are, and you know what your goal at the end of the day is, right? Um, I've had plenty of mentors and, you know, coaches or people that we've hired for things or that I've worked with that going into it, I know, okay, well, they don't have kids and, you know, I am about to have a kid. So even though this is their recommendation, I'm going to modify it to, to do this. And they may have good recommendations for like, you know, if they're clients with kids or whatever, that's just kind of one example yeah um but yeah you really have to take it and apply it into the buckets that you are already confident in so that would be the first thing and then soak it all up listen and it's in addition to it's okay to change your mind it's okay to trial and error and Mm -hmm. mess up in fact you probably like that should be the goal especially in your first zero to two years Try a bunch of stuff and then see what sticks and trash what doesn't. Like that is 100% okay to do. It's along the lines of pivoting. How have you taken advice and feedback and listening to your clients, but not pivoting away from your core mission and what you're here to do. I think people can lose themselves and the people pleasing of, I have to listen to my client, but then you see they're drifting away from what they want to do at their core. Yeah. I think especially, you know, every client you have, every event that we do, we're sending out surveys. I want to know, your feedback. I I want to be able to share your experience too, if that's mm-hmm. okay with you. Um, it's super important to listen and then sit with it and then move on it if you need to. So for example, um, event feedback is really tangible. So last year for, or no, when was this? 2019 for our conference. Um, we hosted it at a hotel. I won't put say who it was and put them on blast, but we hosted it at a hotel. Uh, I f- probably will not host it at a hotel for a long time. Um, it was a rough experience. Okay. Their staff was terrible. They were mean to my staff. Like 
things fell through the cracks. There were meals missed. There was just a lot that happened. Mm -hmm. Everybody had great feedback on the content and like the atmosphere and the activations and the experience. But we got quite a lot of feedback on, you know, hey, the line was too long. Or like, I didn't even get my lunch until 45 minutes after so-and-so or these other everybody mm-hmm. else because like maybe they had gluten-free meals or something it, like logistics um and then you know there were miscommunications about something so like those are the things that you need to know to provide a good customer experience so that is probably the number one thing you really do need to listen to is for customer experience and making sure it's as seamless and as enjoyable as as possible and that you can go as above and beyond as you can. Um, For example, on the flip side, this actually happened today. Um, I had a client um, who, long story short, things were shifting in her life and she was like, hey, I need to like pause my contract. And I was like, I really don't do that. Like you signed a contract for this date to this date and you committed to like this payment plan. But like I chose to pause and extend and things like that. And then she's, you know, this was six months ago at this point came back and was like, I don't feel like I got what I paid for, et cetera. And I did, I sat with it for a while and I said, here's the truth. And this is just business. This is not personal. You signed this contract. This was our stipulation. I made this exception for you and this exception for you. It's up to you to take advantage of that. That's your responsibility. And at this point, our contract is far over. You know, yeah. it's, it's beyond. So I was able to sit with it and think, is there anything that she's saying that's valid? Because I want to know, I really do want to honor that Mm -hmm. and then be able to sit with, am I getting my value? Am I being honored and respected as well? Mm -hmm. And then respond in a professional way. Um, I think on on another note of that, people can tend to be people pleasing Mm -hmm. and sometimes people pleasing makes you go broke. (laughs) That's just the truth. Um, you know, there's never any reason to lower your price unless you didn't even do the research to price well in the first place. That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those, yeah, two examples. I heard, or I mean, I've, I've heard this multiple times, but the people a lot of times, and I've thought about this in the the business that I want to pursue, like I want to make it affordable. There's a part of me that was like, people will pay for what they feel and people paying a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars are not usually the ones complaining and so at that point there's this and something that like i'm still going through i'm literally like a week into this idea so i don't have enough like a scope around it but there's a part of me that's like i want to make this affordable but there's Mm -hmm. a level of affordable where it's like you kind of want to keep out that energy because Mm -hmm. at that point it's just detrimental to you as well like negative feedback i mean it's kind of like i had a tiktok this is a random example like i had a tiktok go viral Mm -hmm. 99.9 of that feedback is not productive in the slightest (laughs) we have people fighting we have people talking about rights like it's just a hot and at that point it's like okay this is not productive for me so therefore i'm not going to take it but if you're giving me productive feedback like hey 
this was wrong, kind of like the hotel example. Like those are valid, tangible things that went mm-hmm. wrong. But if someone's just kind of going to be always having an issue at that point, there's no value for either one of you. And it's like this partnership is just void because no. clearly I'm not providing you value. And at that point, you shouldn't be paying me if you don't feel. And there just comes a point where, and I think that was the situation with this client. And honestly, maybe at the beginning, it was my fault taking on this client. Yeah. Like that is a truth you have to maybe admit to yourself sometimes, um, which the first time can be hard, but <laughs> um, you said it, make mistakes. You got to make them early and mistakes. fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Um, but there also is just like that. It wasn't aligned. Yeah, exactly. Like we're not on the same page. It is oil and water and you know, weren't, weren't like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's never going to be like that you know some even some people that are potentially paying you know in the thousand two thousand whatever but you're you're right you know the on the lower tier lower ticket stuff you are potentially going to get more complaints because they expect a lot but i think if that's what you're seeing then you're not attracting the right people and i think for me in this case this was just a bad fit but yeah um there are just going to be, there's always going to be someone that has something to say. And if you really sit with it and you're honest with yourself and you're good, then it's just a bad fit. Yeah. You know, part of life. I was part of life. People, you don't like everyone and everyone's not going to like you on a more (laughs) positive, upbeat uh, note here or not positive. uh, You are the events guru. So someone that wants to have an event, what are two things that you must have or needs to know about having a live event or putting on, even if it's like an online zoom event these days? Oh my gosh. (laughs) You need help (laughs) in terms of be specific. You need, whether it be volunteers or a virtual assistant, like if it's going to be online um, or someone who can be like your point of contact outside of just you um, be an actual event planner or a court, like a day of coordinator. Like think of it like a wedding. Mm -hmm. Every time we throw our conference, it's like I'm hosting a wedding. It's just madness. So if I'm the only person that has all the answers that everyone's going to email me, everyone's going to call me and I'm going to get overwhelmed, but, and that's my fault. So this, the last two years I've had someone just cause it's grown I've had someone, her name's Wendy, and she's out of Miami, and she's amazing. Um, And this year, we actually got to fly her in to do everything, especially this year I was pregnant, and I needed, I'm like, I'm not lifting boxes, I'm not loading in stuff. So everything went to Wendy. Like, I did a ton of the planning with her, the questions for the panels, the content, I handpicked all of our speakers. I negotiated our sponsorships and contracts and things, but you have to have other people that at least one other person that's a point person that knows everything that you know. And it's hard to do that. There were still some things, you know, just in the chaos of an event that, you know, Wendy, like I forgot to communicate to Wendy or, you know, this last minute thing happened and someone dropped out or whatever. Um, But have help again, volunteers, hired help, especially day of help, um, and then have a point person. And number two, give yourself so much more time than you think. If you are thinking, oh, I want to host a happy hour in December. We're recording this on November 7th. 7th. If you want to host a happy hour in December, 
you need, you should probably have it all planned right now. And tickets should already be on sale right now. Like wow. you need, <laughs> that's not what I need to hear. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you need oh, so much more time because okay. think about this. Let's say you want to book a place and you send in an in- inquiry online. They may not get back to you for one, two, three days. Okay, that's three days you just lost. Then you need to create assets. You need to get it on, you know, if you're using Eventbrite, are you charging for this? Do you need sponsors? Do you need gift bags? How many people are you planning for? Do you need a photographer? And everybody's, all of these like vendors and things for hire or purchase take time, Mm -hmm. right? So if you need to order tote bags with your logo, like, you need at least a week or two for those to be created and processed and shipped to you, right? So for our conference, for example, I ordered our totes through a place I can get them super cheap. It takes longer to get here. So I ordered them like in August mm-hmm. and our conference was in October. Because so I was like, I need to know that I know that I know that I have these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we don't need any, oh, no, they didn't come in. That, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need a lot of time. <laughs> A lot more than you think. That's good to know. Uh, a few more, then I'll get you out of here. Yeah. Negotiating sponsorships is huge, especially Ooh. in content creation. What's a misconception, if you will, or a trick of the trade when negotiating sponsorships? I mean, I wrote a whole course on this. Um, it, so my biggest point would be <laughs> really isn't about how many followers you have. Mm. I've been doing this for almost six years. Brands are getting smarter Mm -hmm. as in they actually don't care because here's what's happened. They've hired influencers who have a million followers. They do a campaign. Influencer gets $20,000. Let's say company makes five sales. Is that, did that really make sense for them? Absolutely not. Unless it was like she's selling houses for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cars like a real high ticket item. So it is about the alignment. Um, kind of like I was talking about earlier. Is it aligned with your values? All those things. Is it aligned on okay. your side, on their side? It's not about how many followers you have. That's good to know. Yeah. You hear that a lot, but it's easy. And I know a lot of things are a numbers game but you hear that a lot that you don't need a million followers to make a million dollars and i it's so true because and even in my mind it's kind of like friends like you want Mm -hmm. five or six or however many quality friends it's not about having a hundred friends it's the same things in terms of your business you'd much rather have a hundred thousand loyal people that you know are going to show up for you versus a million people that it's a toss-up whether they're going to be there for you and it's a good way also i mean the energy you put out is the energy you attract but i like i mean i've heard that before but it's good to have that uh reset and affirmed you said something in an interview that i thought was super interesting and it's literally me so i want to hear kind of why you said this but you said that if you could the question was, if you could go back and change something, you would say that you would think through it more because you just jump into things. Why did you have that answer? And why do you feel it's more productive or that you would change kind of just jumping into it? Because I do that, but I you think- You your research. <laughs> I always do. But I, I, I think it's important for people to jump into things, but I've yes. never heard someone say that. So I want to know why you said that. I'm 
I'm trying to think of what context that was in. Um, it probably had to do with along the lines of what I was saying earlier with you have so many ideas and you can't execute well on a million things at one time. I think that's probably what I was referring to. Um, I think too, this is probably where a lot of that was coming from. 2019 was like a huge year of growth for us. Like thousands and thousands of more people in our Facebook group, email list, Instagram followers. And we did 40 in-person events that year. Wow. So think about 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. I was about to say almost one a week. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. Um, biggest year of our conference to that point. I was still teaching full time. And I think I just said yes to too much. That's probably the answer I probably was thinking of and didn't spit out. I was saying yes to too much without really assessing, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Is this aligned for us? Um, I'm glad it panned out the way that it did. But that year, it was to a detriment of like my mental and physical health juggling working from seven to four and then working business from four to eight and on Saturdays and on Sundays. And then in the weekdays, if we had like a happy hour, it was usually on a Wednesday or Thursday. If we did brunch events, it was usually on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Our conference was, well, we did the conference in the summer because that was when I had school off. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, that is when we're doing it. And that is that. But yeah, I think I just said yes to too much stuff and it overloaded me when I really could have at least just taken another beat to consider if it was a, the right fit at the time. Do you feel though that saying yes to a lot of the things that you did, maybe in hindsight you would have said no, but put you into rooms or put you into situations that made you either learn faster or meet someone that then led you to where you are today? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing I will say. Um, Cause I am a little bit like you in that on the, on the flip side of this, especially if we're talking about, you know, your first zero to two years of business, you do need to say yes to a lot of stuff to figure out, okay, this was great or oop, that flopped, not doing that again. Yeah. You need to learn by experience. It's like when yeah. you're little learn by doing and your mom's like, don't touch the stove or don't touch that. It's hot. And you're like, yeah, it's great. Hand on the stove. <laughs> well, <shit. laughs> yeah. I just burned my hand and I wonder why, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, um, don't eat that guy. Oh, that's the first thing I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you got to try a lot of different things. Say yes. Put yourself in those rooms for sure. And then it's going to be a busy season for the first however long. And then you can start to get picky and choose and choose, you know, choose and use your time wisely. Love that. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten that you want to leave the audience with? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or maybe it's a piece of advice that you like to give young, hungry entrepreneurs that are looking to chase after their dreams. I mean, I think this is, maybe this wasn't said directly to me, but it sticks with me a lot. Um, just tell the truth. Like, whatever that might mean to you. So, tell the truth in your content. Tell the truth when you're negotiating something with a brand. I don't know. Tell the truth when you're trying to get 
a new client. There's so many things that we are tempted to do that can really put us in sticky situations, but it feels like a Disney trope, like a Disney movie. Like, you know, if you just tell the truth and everything like that's how things are supposed to be. But honestly, I think that's what a lot of stuff comes down to. And it's going to be much more to your benefit. It's hard initially. I think sometimes you want to either glamorize or do whatever. But I will say that's one thing that sometimes my parents have said that's like, I'm too honest at times. Mm. And so sometimes it's like, I'm not like, I can't lie worth. I start laughing or like my face gets red. Like I'm just not good at it. And so I know there's some people I'm in sales. So like, especially in yeah. sales, like the typical sales guy, they can kind of get around it. And I'm just like, I got to shoot it to your trade. Like, this is the price. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to get around it. Like this that's is good. It. And they're like, okay, uh, but you could have gone about it a little differently. And I'm just like, whatever. So I like that. And I think as always, I mean, you don't like when people lie to you. You don't want to do that right. to someone else uh, in business. Right. Thank you so much for being on. I want you to yeah. tell the audience, where can they find you? Market you and <laughs> Dallas Girl Gang. Um, well, Dallas Girl Gang on all the platforms. I mean, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I love um, the blue. Yeah. DallasGirlGang.com. Um, and... Amanda's in Dallas is my personal. I'm on TikTok and Instagram. You'll probably see my husband a little bit on my TikTok, which is super fun. Um, yeah, we just, we, again, you can sit with us and you're welcome in our community. There's probably a place for you somewhere. You know, um, I, I love seeing people in our community go off and do their own thing. Like yeah. make their own Katie trail walk meetup or, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, and yeah, my team is amazing. I just want to like shout out my team. They're so incredible, especially as we prepare for me to go on maternity leave. Um, we've never done that before, so (laughs) it'll be super interesting, but, um, we always have events going on. Um, and our email list is like, if you don't want to miss anything, that's where you need to be. The email list. I need to build one of those. I'm going to ask you after this. Uh, The last question I ask every single person on this podcast is Amanda, what are you grateful for today? Oh my gosh. I am just really grateful for like a fun season that I'm in about like becoming a new mom. And I have so many, I'm very grateful for the other entrepreneurs in this space who are moms, who are helping me not freak out. Yeah. Um, Preparing. Yes. But I mean, it's the holidays, you know, coming up, all that stuff. And I'm just grateful for, you know, this season. Perfect. And I am going to say I'm grateful for running. I've been super into it. Half marathon training with one of my friends and I'm just loving it lately. I've always been a super big runner, uh, but I always get injured. And for some reason, knock on wood, I should not put that out there. I've been very healthy. So I'm grateful for my health. Um, Mm -hmm. And always this podcast. Thank you so much for being on. This was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs)